Wow, as we get to begin our final week of Advent, uh, talking about the uh, love of God, it's an amazing thing. I encourage you to begin with taking out your bulletin, because there's a gift inside for me, and I would mind to make sure that you give it to me. Uh, and that is this green connection card. And if I wouldn't mind filling that out uh, whilst uh, right now, I'd appreciate it. And at the end of the message, you could drop it in the offering basket. That lets me pray for you this next week and throughout the week, and that's good. Well, but I also have you to do this every week because we're not just here to, to put on a show. We're followers of Jesus. That's, that's what we want to do. And I want to make sure that as your pastor, that I'm shepherding, helping you guys follow after the Lord more and more closely. And that means not just watching him, but taking next steps, following after him. And so we have uh, some next steps that we're going to come back to at the end of the message. They're on the back side of this card. You can look at them if you want to early. If you're one of those people who likes to read the end chapter of the book early, that's fine. Um, but there's also a place to write your prayer requests and to write those down. And at the end of the message, I'd appreciate it if you would uh, put that in the offering basket for us uh, and along with your tithes and gifts. That would be a, a, a gift for us. But uh, if you're a guest here this morning, maybe it's your first, second time with us, special welcome to you. Thank you for joining us today. That is awesome to have you here. It's what a joy to have you join us. Uh, we invite you to just fill out whatever you feel comfortable filling out. You can drop that in the offering basket along with everyone else if you'd like to at the end of the message. And we have a special gift for you in the back in the blue table there. Just as uh, a book called uh, Case for Christmas. I think you'll enjoy that. Uh, just our way of saying thanks for joining us today. Now, as you guys are, of course, busy with that, we're going to talk about Advent because it's kind of coming. I like the symbolism in it, right? We have the Advent wreath, and we're going to come back to that tonight. And... Um, we get to light the final candle, the Christ candle, very exciting. And uh, we'll talk about all of the symbolism that's rich and deep within that. But one of the things I think we'll see is darkness and light. That's a, that's a theme that we see, right? We see it in Scripture. It's one of the things that we see in Advent. And that darkness, pretty much, we would say, kind of the opposite of light. In order to appreciate light, sometimes we have to experience darkness, right? But then once we've had it in the darkness, boy, the light is, is beautiful, right? And that's one of the reasons I think we begin, we talk about hope, we think about the opposite, the darkness of, of despair that really covers so much of our world, and how Jesus coming really lifts that and gives us hope, and that we are a people of hope. We are never in despair because we have a God who loves us, and then peace, and the opposite of that, you know, we have conflict, and how we were at war with God, and we see the world at war with, with itself, and tearing itself apart, but how we are a people of peace, and it starts with that we have a peace with God. What an amazing thing. And joy, you know, the opposite being discouragement and how discouraged we are. Like our plans get thwarted in this, this world. Like things just don't go the way we typically plan. Like, for example, this week was not how I planned at all, right? Not at all how I had planned. It was going to be a great week. Then my entire staff gets sick, like everybody. Like, I had the flu. I'm not contagious now. But like all of us, we were just like, this is a busy week. God's like, no. That was it. And like, it's just sometimes life doesn't work the way that you think it's going to. And yet, we're not a people of discouragement, but a people of joy because we have promise. We know that God is working all these things together. We know that he is with us. The world doesn't rest on our shoulders. Praise God. Right? We have the light of all of those things. Well, today we light another candle, which is really important. I think we light it last because in the wonderful, beautiful, biblical way of things that are topsy-turvy, we have the last candle actually is the one that allows everything else to be lit, and that is God's love. It's really what comes first. And we think about love, the opposite would be. Well, most people would say hate, right? And I would think the reason is pretty obvious. We think of the darkness in this world that's caused by hate. Uh, hate causes a lot of bad things. In fact, we've even made it a crime 
to, to hate in our culture, right? There's a lot of bad things that we see in the world. And because hate is the root of all kinds of darkness in our world, I think it's, it makes sense for us to say, well, did Jesus come just to dispel hate? But I think you're going to find today, we're gonna, we go through the gospel, Jesus came in his love with so much even bigger than that and, and how amazing it is. And in fact, it reminds us of our anchor verse for the series. It's on your connection card. I hope you've had a time to, to at least take that with you and ponder it, meditate on it. But it's what Jesus said later in the Gospel of John chapter 8. He said, I am the light of the world. Not that I have light for the world. He is the light of the world. What an amazing promise. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What an amazing gift. So we have this hope, we have this peace, we have this joy. You will never walk in darkness. The moment you start following after Christ, you have hope. And discouragement is not something that's going to, to own you. Despair is not there. The, the conflict between you and God, the war is over, right? That, that we don't have to be always just disappointed. We have joy. And that's because at the fundamental level, we also have God's love. And that's because, uh, because of this. I think in order to really understand Advent, to really celebrate Christmas, we have to understand the light of God's love. What does it mean that he loves us? And once we gain that, the season becomes so much richer. Our lives become so much brighter. And so let's look at Christmas in the light of God's love. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn them to John chapter 1. That's where we've been this series. John is a gospel. It's written by the apostle John who was with Jesus. Uh, the, you know, he, he, uh, he writes it last. It's the last gospel written. It's very different than the other three. I think uh, he has a different take on it. The other three gospels really take things from a human perspective. John, later on, is like, I don't need to reiterate those things. And he gives us the gospel from heaven's perspective. And he talks about Jesus in some amazing ways in that be very beginning in that chapter. He talks about Jesus being light, but also logos, the word, which is truth and, and reason. And in verse 5, he really comes out and he talks, you know, verse 1 through 5, he says that God is the light that came in the world, beginning of the world. Um, Jesus came as the light, but also he is creator, he is savior. In verse 9, he goes in there and he talks about how in Christ we have God's actual presence, not somebody who represents God, but God who has come himself, which gives us peace. And in verse 10 through 13, we found that in Christ, joy is actually found, not because of what he does, but joy is found in him. And where we look for Christ is where we will find joy. And in verse 14, he continues this wonderful preamble to the gospel. He says, then this word, that is Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What an amazing thing. The logos, the, this absolute perfection of reality, of, of rationality, of, of truth, became a human being. That we wouldn't be confused I think about so often religion, we try to explain God, but God came so we wouldn't have to explain him. He revealed himself to us as he is. He spoke absolute perfect clarity by putting on flesh. And that's why we have hope that God came and became amongst us. He is not against us, but he is for us. If you've ever needed reason for hope, you have it because God has come. 
And he made his home amongst us, which means that he also gave us his perfect incarnate peace. That God did not come to destroy us. He didn't come as an enemy. He didn't come as, as a judge. But he came as a sacrifice so that we could be saved. He came as our savior so that we could have peace. And not just peace with him, but a peace that would grow from our innermost being that would extend out so we could have peace also with each other. And God's glory, it says, was, was witnessed in this, which is joy. We see the world, the best the world can offer, it kind of lets us down after a while. Even the things that we like most, right, eventually lose their shine. Now think about like last year's Christmas presents. I mean, last year they were great, and you might still enjoy some of them. But some of them, in the moment, they were fantastic, and, and that was true, but they kind of lost their shine. But here's the thing, God's glory never loses its shine. There's never going to be a time in our lives, in our existence, which starts here on this earth and ends never, in which we're going to be like, yeah, God was great then. Never going to happen. That we live now in a perpetual and increasing state of joy. And here's the thing, that God came and he gave us all of these themes. He gave us all of these wonderful things to, to give us light into our world. But he also came filled with grace and truth. And those were not just words that were just picked willy-nilly. John just doesn't do that. Plus, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. That he gave us all of these things, but there's two very important attributes that filled Christ. Grace and truth, so necessary for us to have in order to experience all those other things. Why? Well, John explains in another book of his, 1 John. And in 1 John chapter 4, he says, this is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. See, Jesus is more than just light. He's more than just truth. And that we find in, in, in this, and we'll come back to why he comes in grace and truth. But to understand that, we understand this first, is that Jesus is the manifestation of God's love. To, to understand why he came the way he is, we have to understand very fundamentally who he is. That Jesus did, is, is God. And it's an amazing thing that God manifests himself not as hatred, or as anything dark, but manifests himself, not that he has God's love, but he is the manifestation of God's love. How do you know God loves you? Well, if you ask yourself on a day that everything is going well, and you say, hashtag blessed, <laughs> right? But what about those days when things aren't going so good? Like this morning, I get up on a beautiful Christmas morning, realizing that there's lots of snow, which is beautiful for Christmas, but bad for church, <laughs> right? And not only was there snow everywhere, but there was power nowhere. <laughs> now, as a pastor on Christmas Eve, this causes consternation. <laughs> right? In moments like this, sometimes we wonder, where is God's love? But there are deeper moments when life gets really hard, when your best friends betray you, right? When, when things just go dark, 
and you pray for what you think is good and God just doesn't answer. And you wonder in the midst of that dark moment, those deep valleys, and you cry out to God, you say, do you love me? And I know I'm not the only one who's been there. And in those moments, in those dark times, we still have the light of Christ. Jesus came. He is the manifestation of God's love. How do I know God loves me? Because he came to this earth to die for me. Because he came to sacrifice himself so I wouldn't have to pay an eternal wrath for my just deserved sins. God is for me. Not every day is for me. But God is for me. And Jesus is the manifestation of God's love for this world and to you. God's love is not theoretical. It's very, very personal. And, and I think this too is that Jesus is love perfectly expressed then. I think this world, we, we even have songs about it, tainted love. Like we just don't even know what love is. We even have a song, what is love, right? And we ask people not to hurt us. Like, that's how messed up we are. But how do we know what love truly is? Because we had one who shown us that. He didn't explain love. He existed as love amongst us so we could understand. In fact, the scripture said this is love, not this is what love is like. This is love. Christ came. God sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, Jesus is the standard of love. He's our definition. He's what helps us understand what love is all about. And so we say, love is what? Well, love is choosing the good of another above yourself. That's what love is at its very core. See, how did God demonstrate his love for us? Well, he sent Jesus to die for our sins. God chose our good above himself. That's a high standard. Romans 5.8 puts it this way, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he chose our good above his own, get this, while we were sinners. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Sin is not doing bad things. Sin is treason against God. Sin is doing our thing in opposition to God's thing, regardless of what our thing is. Or God's <laughs> like, as long as we're following our own heart and not God, we are and saying, God, we're the sitting on the throne of our heart. <laughs> That's treason. And treason is a, as makes us enemies to God's throne. That's a big deal. Right? In fact, treason makes us you know, enemies not just of God, but in the entire kingdom of God. That's, a, that's bad. And of course, Romans 5.10 goes with this. It says, but if we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That's remarkable because what it tells us is that in Scripture, it says that we were his enemies. And enemies are people you hate. That's why they're enemies. You, right? that, that's exactly what an enemy is, someone you hate. And God loved us while we were his enemies. God loved us while at the same time God hated us. And God loved us while we hated him. Which shows us that hate cannot be the opposite of love. It's something much bigger than that. So what's the opposite of love? Selfishness. Selfishness. If love is choosing another's good above your own, 
The opposite of that is choosing my good above everyone else all the time. And God is not a selfish God. Praise Him. Praise Him. See, love, true love, and selfishness can never coexist. Cannot. I cannot choose your good above my own while I'm also choosing my good above your own. It just doesn't happen. See, God hates. He hates sin. He hates brokenness. He hates despair. He hates injustice. He came to this world to end all of the wickedness. He hates all of it. But he is love. And he came to dispel more than just our hatred. He came to dispel and eradicate our destructive selfishness. And Jesus, then, is our example for love. In 1 John 4.11, it says, since God loved us, right? Since he chose our good above our, his own, right? It says, we ought to love one another. There's a response to this. He gave us love so that way we could express his love. We could live within his love, but also express it. Not in some kind of weird love song kind of weak love, right, that comes and goes and it's just filled however I want it. No, a love that is difficult, a love that is, that is beautiful, a love that is, it is stubborn, a love that is ferocious, a love that is brave, a love that allows us to do more than I would ever do for myself or my own, a love that calls me to a place higher. Jesus is an example of the kind of love that God wants for us to have. So love that is the opposite of hate, which is what fills most of our music today in our movies, in our Hallmark movies, where some girl leaves the city and finds love. <laughs> it's not really love. That type of love that's the opposite of, of hatred is really selfishness. It's finding someone I would already like and choose to be kind to them. It's receiving things from others that what I can get from others that really just serves me. But Matthew 5.46 is this. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And I love the bar he sets for tax collectors. I feel bad for them. <laughs> but not, not too bad. But, but loving those that we like is easy. We know that. And it's great to love those that you like. That's awesome. I, I love my family. They're easy to love. I, I want to be around them. I want to sacrifice for them. But anybody can do that. That kind of love doesn't really change anything. Real love, though, changes everything. In verse 44, right before Jesus says this, he said, I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now that's real love. That's not an easy kind of love, but that's the kind of love that can transform our lives, our worlds. It's amazing. So love those you hate. Seek the good of others regardless of how you feel because if you can love those you hate, then you can love those you like. And we leave justice to God. So how do you experience love this Christmas. And I think a lot of us really need that. I think one of the main issues in this world, in our culture, is that we are a loveless society because we are a deeply selfish society. 
I mean, most even of our Christmas traditions revolve around what I get and around how things turn out the way that I wanted them to be for the season. And if they don't, I walk away discouraged. I walk away depressed. I walk away, you know, just defeated. There is no hope or peace or joy. There's just angst. Let me set you free from this. All those wonderful things are good and they're blessings from God, but he doesn't want you to give you those in exception to the real gift, which is his love. So how do you get those? How do you experience the love of God? Well, the first thing I think is to accept the love of God in Jesus. Christmas is about God's love. That's what it's about. If God did not so love the world, then none of this, right? None of this would happen. We would be in darkness because we turned out the lights. That's why it would be. That we deserve his wrath. We deserve, we've, we've committed treason against God. I mean, what could we possibly do? And yet, he came for us. We shouldn't have joy. We bit the hand of our creator. And yet, we have joy. We shouldn't have peace. Look what we do to one another. Why would God be in any way pleased with his children? Look at the state of the world. <laughs> and yet, God declares a mighty peace to all of us. If it wasn't for his love, none of that would happen. If God did not choose our good above his own, we would not have Jesus. We would have nothing. And yet, we have Jesus and we have everything. In order to have everything, you need to have Jesus. See, Christmas is, is all about Jesus. It's about God speaking love to us in the flesh, coming to this world so that we would have hope and peace and joy, so we could experience his love, so we could walk in the light of Christ. This is why Christmas is about it. This is why the most important thing that we should never lose sight of is Christ came. God is amongst us. Jesus is the perfect expression of God's love. And if you want to experience love, you need to accept him. But there's a warning. If you reject Jesus, you're rejecting God's love. Now think about if you've ever poured your heart out to someone and then they turned away, that hurts. Don't turn away from God. He has spoken love perfectly to you in Christ. He has given you the greatest example and the greatest proof that it could ever be that he loves you. He has chosen your good above his own. He is for you and not against you. He put on flesh and came to this world for you. He died on a cross for your sins while you were still his enemy. While he still hated you, he loved you and chose your good. To experience love, you have, you have to experience Jesus. As we do that, I think we also need to find love's definition in Jesus. We can't be defining love the way the world does, the opposite of hatred that's too small and leads us to too many selfish things. That we need to love in a bigger way, a greater way. We can even love those that we hate. And we ought to. Which means showing kindness and mercy and grace. Jesus loves selflessly. 
That's why one of the reasons this is a season of generosity, right? So often we only give to those whom we know and we love and we're close to, and it's great. We should care about those that are our family, absolutely. But it's also a time of generosity to others and kindness. You know one of the greatest acts of kindness that you can give is when you're at Safeway, it's just a smile to somebody, especially one of those poor workers that's there, right? Because we're awful to them, just as people. It's not their fault, it's an awful system. They're, they're just working it, right? To be kind to those, forgive one another. How about that family member who's going to be coming over who sees the world differently than you do, and of course we all know they're wrong. <laughs> Can you love them even while they're your enemy? Can you be kind to them? Can you choose their good above your own? This is Christ. You're going to be manifest in you. So find love's definition in Jesus. Look to him. Ask, how do I love like this? And then, this is the hard part, follow Jesus' example in love. It's one thing to know what I ought to do. It's one thing to know that this is what Christ came for me to do. It's an entirely other thing to lay down my own life and to forgive someone who really doesn't deserve it. To quiet myself and not say the thing that I just know they deserve to have said to them. That's hard. But you can do it. And you can do it because Christ came for you. Now, to be filled with, to do this, you have to be filled with grace. But you also have to be filled with truth, which is why it's so important that Jesus came filled with both. Why? Well, in order to be filled with grace, we have to be filled with truth. Christianity is not about just floating around saying, everybody's okay, I just love everybody. Well, I don't like everybody. I just don't. And neither do you, right? We're just not wired that way. Plus, people are stinkers. So am I. Like, we want to make sure that we're not filled with some kind of delusional lie that being Christian just makes us just somehow happy with the world. I'm not okay with the state of the world. Bad things happen. People do things that drive me bananas, right? There are things, the injustices that are happening in this world right now that keep me up at night and make me so angry that I can only cry out my, my frustrations to God in tears. Like, grace does not come first. Truth does. There are people who have sinned against you deeply and profoundly, and the gospel does not say that you pretend that that didn't happen. The gospel doesn't say that we just pretend that everything's hunky-dory. No, no, no. Filled with truth. We see the world as it is, just as Christ did. A dark and broken place filled with dark and broken people. Needing redemption. Needing love. Filled with truth. We then fill ourselves with grace. I do not give the world what it deserves. I do not give others what they deserve. I leave justice to God. I trust him, and boy, do I talk to him about it a lot, especially when I'm driving. <laughs> but we give grace, patience, kindness, mercy, compassion, generosity, thinking of others, not just ourselves. This is the love of Christ manifest through us for the glory of God. This is the way that his light has come into this world. So how do you experience love this Christmas? Well, 
Realize that Jesus is the manifestation, the perfect expression, and the definition of love. So accept the love of God in Christ Jesus. Find love's definition in Jesus and follow Jesus' example of love. How do you do this? On your connection cards. I got some next steps because this is my Christmas gift to you. First thing, memorize John 8, 12. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world and whoever follows him will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life and I want you to have that. So that's why we print it on your connection card. Next thing, why don't you read the Gospel of John. We've been in it all series. Tonight, we're going to finish up Light the light, the candle of, of uh, light. It's going to be very, very happy. Thank you. I needed that. I've been fighting the flu all week. Oh, and then I take Sudafed, and Sudafed makes me weepy. <laughs> so you should have seen me yesterday. I was watching a Hallmark Christmas Carol. <laughs> it was funny. All right. I'm going to read John. Better than a Hallmark thing. You're going to have some time off this week. Read the gospel. What does love look like when he puts on flesh and lives amongst us? Read the gospel. Do it as a family. It's going to be good. Something else you might want to do? Experience God's love. Experience it. I don't want you just to hear about it. Right? Experience his love. Receive it for yourself. You do not deserve it. You never will. It couldn't be love if you did. He chose your good above his own. He cares for you. Rest in that. Embrace it. Claim it. Experience it. But the best way to experience his love is not just to receive it, but then to show it to others. And maybe that's your commitment. And this next week, as you have family over, you're going to have opportunity to love. And that's your commitment, God. I'm going to be showing and experiencing your love as I demonstrate it to so-and-so. Something else you can do is you can join us tonight. Because this was a lot of fun, but tonight's the celebration. Tonight's a lot of fun. We're going to light candles, the final one. We all have our own little candle. Who doesn't like pyrotechnics? So it's going to be good. We're going to sing lots of wonderful Christmas carols, but we're going to celebrate the light of the world who has come. It's going to be a great time. Six o'clock, I invite you all to come back. If you have friends or family who can use some encouragement, some joy, some peace, some hope, experience the love of God, invite them to come. Join us tonight at six o'clock. Or maybe you're here today and you've never experienced God's love for the very first time. And you haven't chosen him as your Lord. Well, you pick the perfect day. So that you be saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you need to make that first step, I encourage you after the service, why don't you come up, come talk with me. I'll have, uh, answer your questions and help you take that first step. Be born again in the amazing world of God's love as his child. There's no better gift you could give to yourself or him this Christmas. Hopefully all of us now have something, at least we have one commitment to make. If you don't, I left a blank note on there so you could write something down on there. How are you going to follow God this week? Let me know. Then take those connection cards, drop them in the offering basket here in just a minute, along with your tithes and gifts, to make this your gift to the Lord this Christmas. Let me pray for you as you do. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that you're not a God who loves, but that you are love itself. That, that you're so much more than just not hatred, that you didn't wait till we stopped being your enemies that you could love us. But even while we were your enemies, even while we were in a, a hate-based relationship with you, you chose our good. That you came to this world who didn't receive you. you. You died on a cross for our sins. You took on all of our injustices 
so that we could have justice, so that we could have peace, so that we could have joy, we could have life, that we could live in this world of light. We celebrate you, Father. I pray for these commitments that we're making today as your people. Father, I pray as you receive them and help us to, to experience your love and, and that we would grow in that as we express these uh, even this week. Father God, I pray too uh, for tonight, Lord, that, that you would bring all of those that would need to come and to celebrate and to be encouraged, but also to experience you. And Father, I, I pray too for our tithes and our offerings and all those things, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to express our love back to you. Would you receive our gifts in this manner with this heart? We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.